0: ARPRA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of ARPRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles. Today, we turn our thoughts to the many doctors in medical training. It can be a long journey with lots of professional and personal rewards and challenges, some of which overlap. We discuss key issues and opportunities of medical training, understand what it's like to be a doctor in training, and ask what the future of medical training could be. For this and more, I'm joined by three guests. Hello and welcome, Dr. Hash Abdeen, Chair of the AMA Council of Doctors in Training, Associate Professor Stephen Edelston, Medical Board of Australia member, and also a supervisor, and Dr. Hector poor Prevocational Trainee. Hello. Hector, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: I'm a Prevocational Trainee. Um, which means that I'm not currently on a formal training program. Given that my interest is surgical, I'd say that's pretty uh, common for people who are interested in entering surgery because it takes a number of years after graduation before you're actually eligible to apply for a training program. I graduated about six years ago from medical school, and since then I've been working uh, as a doctor uh, in multiple different surgical areas, uh, and. As I gained more experience in different surgical areas, I decided that I wanted to do maxillofacial surgery, oral and maxillofacial surgery. Uh, And to do that surgical specialty, you actually need to have a dental degree as well as a medical degree. So I'm currently back uh, at uni uh, studying dentistry um, with the goal of pursuing that in the future. Uh, I also have interests in research um, and was lucky enough to go to the US and do a master's degree in public health. Um, Public health and surgery, typically not uh, a lot of people are interested in both of those areas, but that's something that I'm really interested in, Um, as well as I'm um, doing a PhD and uh, a little bit involved with some advocacy around junior doctors. Fantastic. Stephen, can you tell us a bit about
0: yourself and your background?
2: So I'm uh, an immunologist in clinical practice at a teaching hospital in Sydney and um, I'm also on the Medical Board of Australia and in that role I am a chair in fact of a medical training survey um, that aims to look at the quality of medical training in Australia for doctors in training.
3: Thanks for having me first of all. Um, So I am a registrar in rheumatology. I'm dual training with rheumatology and general medicine up in the Townsville Hospital and I'm currently seven years post my graduation from medical school.
0: Great and so you're a doctor in training. Can you tell us what a doctor in training is?
3: Yeah so the nomenclature can be a bit confusing. Doctor in training really means well, the colloquial term is junior doctor. So it's anywhere from when you finish medical school until you become a consultant in whatever specialty you choose. And so that's kind of the period where we call doctor in training or DIT for short.
1: Um, I liken it to um, like a senior, if you're in like a firm, like an accounting firm or law firm or something like that, kind of being like the manager. So as a doctor in training, you're the person who kind of runs the floor. You do all of the legwork and you get around and, um, you know, really kind of get in and see what's happening and making sure that everything's okay. And, you know, so you actually probably have the most interaction with patients. So, you know, if you come into a hospital, like probably the first few doctors that you see are going to be doctors in training. And then you may or may not see um, a a fully qualified consultant. You'd probably see one at some point, Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not involved with your care, it just means that they um, are getting all of their information through the doctors in training it's uh, the doctor and training role is usually that kind of manager level and then above that you have like a more senior person who kind of oversee has broad oversight of everything that goes on and who's more experienced and has finished trainings.
0: Great and Hash, I'm wondering if you could talk to us about what's good about how this uh, system works um, and maybe what isn't so good.
3: There's a lot of good that's happening in medical training. I think Australia has a world-class training program, both at the medical school level and up into your training as a registrar. Um, The less good things, of course, are the things that we've talked about for a long time, which is things like bullying and harassment and also issues around well-being for doctors in training and also senior doctors as well.
1: There's been a lot of scrutiny perhaps in the media uh, recently about the culture of medicine it was Being really shocking way. to a lot of people uh, was that of uh, Miko Kadoda or Yumiko Kododa. She talked about her experience as a plastic surgery uh, non accredited trainee um, in a particular hospital uh, and how she was really expected to work um, very long hours and she was not very well supported in that role um, and she was really honest about the impact that that had on her mentally, as well as physically, uh, because they can be very demanding roles. Um, and it's not unheard of to have people, uh, doctors in training, perhaps have a supervisor who's not very supportive, or perhaps doesn't know good teaching and learning techniques and how to appropriately give feedback. Um, and. Uh, I think unfortunately, historically, the culture of medicine is um, more, uh, has been more about tough love and, you know, learning, uh, (laughs) like, you know, learning in a way that perhaps we wouldn't Uh, have those conversations nowadays and so a lot of seniors will say oh well this is how we had those discussions back then Um, even though now we know from like an educational perspective that that's not the most constructive way to have those kinds of conversations. Hector can you talk about
0: any racism or sexism that you've seen in the workplace around you amongst doctors and training?
1: I think that a lot of doctors uh, unfortunately do experience um, racism or sexism in the workplace from um, multiple directions whether that's um, from colleagues uh, whether they be medical or, um, or other colleagues who work in the hospital or from patients as well. Um, in terms of doctors in training there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of discussion in terms of the impact of children or um, having children during training um, and how that can affect uh, your ability to get onto a training program or your ability to undergo training. Um, And I think, you know, for a lot of women, that's particularly important because of the time that you might have to take off for pregnancy, even if you have a partner who's like very supportive and might be able to help um, with childcare after that time. Um, So, There's, it's definitely a huge consideration um, for people in that space, because as I said before, doctors in training aren't, um, you know, they're not necessarily university students. they're older, they might have families already, they might be trying to plan families, um, and they might be trying to plan around their own fertility as well, um, because training does happen during those uh, exact years where you might be thinking about having and raising a family. Um, And unfortunately, uh, I think as we've seen, uh, there's a a lot of data around the fact that uh, the differentiation between um, earning or working in, particularly heterosexual couples, becomes vastly different around the time of having children. And um, you know, junior doctors obviously have to, have to handle those same issues that everyone else in other professions have to handle, but perhaps being from more, a more junior spot because you're still in training and you still have to meet requirements and you still have to do them within a certain time period. So I think those are um, some of the issues that I've seen definitely for uh, colleagues. And um, how does that
0: experience in the training affect how you emerge as as a, as a practitioner?
3: Doctors in training are usually the people providing the primary care. So I think it's very important for the public to realise that they do have an interest in making sure that doctors in training do have quality education and training so that when they seek medical attention, they know that they're provided with the highest quality care that trainees can provide.
2: Uh, look, training is vital to medical care and uh, good training parallels Good medical care—you uh, can't have one without the other, and they're mutually dependent on each other. So, good training will end up in good care, and providing good care gives good training. Um, training encompasses also a number of different issues. It's not only medical knowledge in which train, uh, that, that is involved in training, but also behaviours and attitudes and responses um, that are important for doctors to learn so that they have fulfilling careers and provide fulfilling care to their patients?
3: I think your training is so imperative to how you turn out as a consultant. As a junior doctor and a doctor in training, you're learning the habits that you'll keep with you for the rest of your life. And so it's really important that we focus on quality education and training so we continue to produce high quality Australian doctors. So I really feel that, you know, if we're not, if we lose the focus on this, and this is why the medical training survey is so important, it allows us to highlight both the good and the bad of training so we can make sure that we're producing those high quality doctors at the end of the day.
0: So speaking of the medical training survey, Hash, you are chair of the Australian Medical Association Council of Doctors and Training. Can you tell us what the medical training survey is?
3: So the medical training survey is a survey of all trainees from the time they graduate from medical schools, so the first year, all the way to just prior to becoming a specialist or a consultant. It basically looks at Australia wide in every state, the quality of training and education and ask questions related to this. And I guess what it ultimately does, and what we at the AMA Council of Doctors and Training have been advocating for is information and data to help support changes within the medical training system to kind of highlight what's the good and the bad, like we talked about at the start of this conversation, so that we can make real change ultimately every year,
2: year on year. The survey is to to, um, obtain uh, and consolidate and interrogate information that is available that is um, uh, that is obtained from we hope every doctor in training because information is power um, and um, uh, uh, it's only with that information that we will know if and where changes are required to improve medical training and ultimately improve medical care
1: so actor can you talk to us about why that's important? Particularly as a pre-vocational trainee and knowing that there are lots of junior doctors who are in the pre-vocational space for various reasons whether they're like me still gearing up to meet the expectations for applying to a training program you know or whether they have um, other reasons they're not sure what training program they want to apply to yet Um, it's this is really the only place to get information about that group of doctors. Um, And I think that as evidence, perhaps a little bit from the previous discussion is that people who are in the pre-vocational space not being under the purview of a formal college um, are perhaps a little bit more vulnerable because uh, you're really relying on your supervisors um, to do the right thing without that college oversight um, necessarily. So I think that the medical training survey is so valuable because previous to last year, we didn't even have a good idea as to how many junior doctors were in that pre-vocational space. And we don't know how that space is going to change over time as well. Um, Because, you know, back in the time when most consultants now trained, pre-vocational doctors didn't really exist. But now with the change to requirements in applying, um, and also the increased number of medical graduates, Uh, We've seen a lot more junior doctors in that space of not being on a formal training program or not being in formal internship still, Uh, so getting the information on how that changes over time as well, um, particularly when colleges continue to amend their um, requirements for training, uh, we can see the effects of that year to year as they go and uh, help support pre-vocational doctors uh, in that space.
0: So your message to your pre-vocational training colleagues is do the survey and do it again, do it every year that you're a doctor in training.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, um, you can give your own individual situation. It's anonymized. Um, there's so many, and that data can then be used by organizations like, for example, the AMA who are looking to to lobby for junior doctors in that space. We can know what, your situation is and what the situation is more broadly and then put specific numbers to that when we talk to training organisations.
2: I'd also just like to add that um, this year in our annual medical training survey um, we've added some questions on the impact of COVID-19 to doctors in training uh, because in some ways we don't know exactly what the impact is uh, and we want to know. The um, COVID-19 epidemic has had a profound effect on, well, all aspects of our life and including healthcare and including processes and, and uh, the availability of services in hospital. Um, this has varied through the, epidem- uh, through the epidemic and, um, and changes as case numbers change in individual hospitals and in individual jurisdictions. Um, it has both positive and negative effects. Um, certainly there is opportunities for training in infectious disease medicine that are provided by this very unusual circumstance, Um, training in public health in following up cases, um, other opportunities that are not usually available. But it also has negative effects in that a lot of resources, a lot of manpower, woman power, a lot of person power, Um, is in fact um, uh, uh, has been, um, uh, can I use the word quarantined, has been uh, shifted, quarantined for the care um, and and, and it has been required for the care of people who may be infected with coronavirus or are infected with coronavirus. And this affects not only healthcare professionals, not only doctors in training, but all medical professionals and also patients. And one is also worried that uh, with the resources that are being required to undertake um, the care of uh, coronavirus patients, those resources are not available for usual care of many patients. And so the potential is there that um, the usual care of people will, in fact, be negatively impacted because, um, because uh, people can't access their their medical care as easily as they should be able to be, should be able to.
3: That has definitely put a lot of stress on the medical workforce and we see the public via social media and different companies supporting healthcare workers and I guess recognising that they're making sacrifices for the community as frontline workers. Um, I think in particular the issue for doctors and training and we've been looking into it as. I guess, well-being issues and well-being issues for doctors and training, how they're coping with these extra stressors, some of them being quarantined away from their families because of the fact that they're providing care to these COVID-19 patients. And so we need to consider all these kind of factors that are contributing to stress for the medical workforce and ultimately how that impacts the well-being of our trainees.
0: Hector, we're in this really strange and difficult time of the COVID-19 pandemic. How has that affected your work and your role as a doctor in training and what do you see for the future of medical training?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing that I see for the future of medical training is, um, is it's going to have to have increased flexibility in many ways, um, as evidenced from, from what has happened with COVID-19, um, the rigidity of having exams perhaps in like a particular place or time, Um, has not not been feasible in the current setting for a lot of colleges Um, and a lot of training colleges have have, uh, looked into new and innovative ways of delivering exams or delivering teaching Um, and I think that that hopefully will have really positive outcomes particularly most of my experience um, clinically is in a regional area and so having increased access and not perhaps having to travel as much for um, exams or courses or teaching I think could really be really positive for the future. Uh, The impacts on training are definitely being reflected in pre-vocational trainees. I think it'll be really interesting to look at the medical training survey results next year um, to see without the same progression through particular training programs that we would have expected this year what the impact is on pre-vocational trainees because I think that there may be an increase, um, because we're still going to have junior doctors finishing their internship and moving on uh, to, other, to other jobs in the workforce. So I think that is um, it's having huge impacts on training generally, um, and to see the results of that in the survey results next year is going to be really valuable um, in trying to plan for the future as well. Thank you, and Hash, your vision?
3: COVID-19 has really highlighted how innovative we need to be in healthcare whether that be through technology, digital health and I think training is moving in that direction very fast. The amount of research that's getting produced every day is hard to keep up with and so trainees are needing to learn more and more and I think training will need to focus on how to be adaptable as trainees in the environment that we're growing in. Where to from here?
2: The future of medical practice um, is, is one of continuous innovation and development. Um, and to ensure that we have quality healthcare, we need quality training. And so we need to know exactly what is occurring in training now so that we can, if necessary, make appropriate changes to ensure that we have quality training to underpin quality healthcare.
0: Thanks to our Guests, Dr. Hash Abdeen, Associate Professor Stephen Edelstein and Dr. Hector Poor for an enlightening conversation about the state of medical training in Australia and what the future might look like. Subscribe to our podcast. Um, If you'd like to get in touch, email communications at APRA.gov.au
3: and see you next time.